BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I basically fell right into the pothole. A woman fractures her ankle and wants the city of Milwaukee to replace her pothole-ridden alley. Someone is going to get really hurt out here. Why advocating for a new alley can be an uphill battle. Plus, we urge consumers to really put the pressure on the manufacturers to create a solution. A disposal dilemma in Southeast Wisconsin. What to do with disposable gas cylinders that should not go in the trash. They get compacted inside the trucks. There's explosion potential. Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I am joined this week by Open Record's executive producer, Sarah Smith. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Normally also, you go, hi, Sarah. And also by Contact 6's Jenna Sex. You know what? I, I, hi, Sorry. Jenna. Oh, hi. I think oh. I caught you off guard because it was scripted in reverse, and I introduced oh. you first instead of uh, Jenna. Anyway, oh, Jenna's here. We are recording this episode on Tuesday, January 9th for release on Thursday, January 18th. Yep. Boy, I had to think. Uh, so <laughs> yep, uh, uh, we're doing this a little bit early. Um, before we discuss two consumer issues that were brought to Contact 6 uh, that we're going to be discussing going into more depth, let's talk about another big year huge. for Contact 6. I mean, a huge one. Yeah. Tell us about that, Jenna. Yeah, it was exciting. We set another record for cashback totals for the consumers who That's reached incredible. out to our segment. You, last year was a record, right? It yeah. was. So last year, our viewers say we helped them save $650,000. And this year we are accredited with helping them save $679,000. So there was a last minute resolution that came mm -hmm. in for $40,000. It was a medical billing issue that this person says we helped them take care of. And we were pushed over that mark, which was really exciting. And we should mention, you know, refunds can come in all mm -hmm. shapes and sizes. You know, it might be a refund check. It might be a waived bill. It might be a product repair or a, a replacement. Um, but we're managing cases all the time behind the scenes. It's a good reminder that a lot of contact sticks work happens off air. And actually in total, we helped resolve nearly 300 cases yeah, throughout so the year awesome. of all shapes and sizes. Well, and I even think about the two stories we're gonna talk about today have nothing to do with refunds at all. Actually, so no. that's just right. one piece of what you do, but you're very good at it. And not just you, obviously uh, we have Annette behind the scenes who is is uh, doing so much work to, to process and manage these these cases. And, and obviously it's helping a lot of people. Yeah, Annette has been with us for a few years now and she will respond to every person who submits a complaint form about a business or government entity to our segment. So if, if you go to our website, there's a blue rectangular box on the mm -hmm. side that says submit an inquiry with contact six. That's where you can do it. And we respond to every person who yep. files a complaint. If it meets our criteria, we will send it along to the business and ask them to take a second look at your issue. And if we can't take your complaint, we'll send you resources and suggestions for how you can pursue it another way. And you know, I, was, go well, ahead. I would argue too, that like a lot of the, you know, obviously there's the monetary thing, but you are also saving Fox six viewers stress mm -hmm. and the, the pressure of maybe being behind on bills because they've got this gigantic, whatever bill or thing looming over them. Well, it's, it's really frustrating when you're calling 
customer service over right. and over again, or you're sending emails and you're getting different answers or you're getting different people and you just feel like you're not getting anywhere. And right. we often do hear from people who have emotional issues tied up in this yeah. too. You know, it could have to do with um, funeral issues or yeah. tomb, you know, headstones. And we hear about um, death benefits, all sorts of things that come from someone passing or someone being hurt at work. There's a lot of issues that play into it. So we also feel like it's nice to alleviate that frustration, right. the anger that's building over time. And sometimes, you know, easing a bit of heartache because you just can't close this chapter and move on. What really strikes me is you think last week we were talking about public defenders. We were talking about people who get an attorney appointed mm -hmm. for them because they can't afford one otherwise and, and we've often talked about contact six sort of being for people who can't afford attorneys because mm -hmm. they're dealing with a situation that may be small dollar mm -hmm. but it may still be very important to that person may be very frustrating it's not something that attorney's going to take because there's just not enough money in it and they have nowhere else to turn well, they do. They have contact six to turn to. Right. And we often hear from people, I called X amount of attorneys and they all told me my case was too small. And some yeah. of them recommended I try contact six for this issue. And what we do is we send it to the business. We get someone else to take a look. If you're stuck in that customer service line, you're not necessarily getting to the person at the top. And contact six has a lot of can contacts who are familiar with our segment mm -hmm. and how we work. And we can get the attention of people in the main office and the headquarters who will take a look and see if a resolution is fair or not and maybe just reestablish that communication between sides that's broken down i think that's where contact six can really shine well and how often does it happen where to that to your point of the you know the consumer is reaching out reaching out hitting that wall and then annette gets the complaint takes the case and and reaches out to the company and and how many interviews have you done where they say within four days within a week within hours i mean it's it's amazing what happens. It is really nice when that happens. It doesn't happen for everybody, right. but it's not unusual for mm -hmm. us to hear that. We hear that every single month. And actually, we just interviewed a couple of people for a story about the work we did in December. And that's what they had said. I made call after call, sent email after email. One of them was told their case was closed. And then we reached out on their behalf and they heard within a couple of days from someone at the main office. And uh, one of the women said she got her check within a week, something she had been waiting for for, for quite mm -hmm. some time. And the other one, had a promise that the issue would be taken would care of within what a few really days. struck me about the value of contact six was my own recent experience you know we've talked about this because i was dealing oh, right. with a mobile yeah. phone company yeah. Yeah. where <laughs> i was getting put through from one department to another and sort of the the table tennis of going back and forth from this department to that department and not get and i just wanted to cut through and get to someone who could resolve mm -hmm. it and all i could think is boy i could really use contact six <laughs> and right i can't now. help and you can't help, help me you can't help me but yeah. I, I, I now i see the value because if i was someone who mm -hmm. could use contact six boy that would have been perfect you really do cut through some of that where people are stuck in that sort of low level of bouncing around and you can get them to the people it may not be a difficult resolution or thing to resolve but you've got to get to the person who can resolve it mm -hmm. absolutely and yours was a wireless issue right it had to it do was, with the yeah. mobile phone yes. so that was one of our top complaints last yeah. year we actually did rank them by type mm -hmm. and so the top six um number six warranty companies uh number five medical bills four wireless tv cable mm -hmm. three banking and atm issues that includes mm. some of those stolen checks we've been reporting on yeah. issues some of those mm -hmm. cash checking places have refunded people um auto repairs number two and number one 
was home contractors, which is something we hear about every year. I right. think we had 76 complaints about home contractors mm -hmm. last year. And those are people who said, you know, they took my deposit uh -huh. and they didn't yeah. come back or they come tore up the, the porch and then they disappeared. For and those are often the biggest dollar ones, right? Because you're they dealing can be. with medical bills have been okay. even larger lately yeah. or certain types of benefits mm -hmm. that people are entitled to. They need help filing a claim. Mm -hmm. But yes, home contracting issues can amount to thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars. So right. it's a major investment. So you can understand how frustrated our people can become when things don't go the right way or they're left feeling like they've been deserted. Well, we've got a couple of stories we're going to talk about in this episode that have nothing to do with refunds, but they are really fascinating stories. We're going to talk about that when we come back. So Milwaukee owns and maintains more than 4,000 alleys, but fewer than 10 get replaced in any given year. And there are a couple of reasons why the first has to do, of course, with money. So Jenna, what does the city's budget allow for when it comes to alley replacement? And really, how did you get started looking at the story? So we heard from a woman named Shannon Bowman. She lives on Honeysuckle Drive, which is on the south, far south side of Milwaukee, almost by Oak Creek. And she was fed up with the state of the alley behind her house. And the tipping point for her was literally a tipping point. She stepped backward into a pothole while directing a car into a garage. And she fell into a pothole filled with water and fractured her ankle. So she was saying this is it and if you go to her alley it's pretty bad i mean it was probably the worst one we saw when we were doing research for this story there was one pothole that was like three feet by four feet and there were several potholes and she said when you drive down her alley and we did it it's like but um but um but um back and forth yeah. you can't have an empty cup you can't have a, a cup of coffee uh, yeah. without a lid because yeah, right. it's going to slosh everywhere so we understood why she was frustrated. So that's how it came to our attention. But she discovered, as other people have, that it's an uphill battle trying to get your alley to be chosen because the city only has enough money to replace a small number of alleys each year, actually upwards of eight throughout the city. And you said how many out of how many thousand? What was it? 4,000. 4,000 plus alleys. That's going to take an awful long time uh, to replace yeah. those alleys. And sometimes the life of an alley can be like 100 years, but this alley, Shannon's, was built, or last uh, concrete was last laid in the 1960s, and it's not in good shape. And there are other options. They can come in and lay asphalt or, you know, just fill the mm -hmm. potholes. They spend like 150 grand a year on that, and that doesn't cost the homeowner anything, which we'll talk about a bit, because homeowners do help yeah. pay for when their alley is I, I, used, I was, was say, just doing a quick, quick math. math. I should have been able to do it in my head. It shouldn't have been hard <laughs> to do, but 4,000 alleys, if they if they replace eight a year, that's 500 years yeah. to replace all the alleys. And these alleys, maybe they can last 100. They can't last 500. Right. No, but there are a lot of factors that play into whether your alley gets chosen. It also comes down to neighbors. So the first thing is the budget, right? The city yeah, only has much? a limited amount of money, about $850,000 this year, the same amount as last year, mm -hmm. to do alley replacement. Um, and that comes out to about eight at the most per year. When we did our story last year in November, they had only replaced four um, in 2023. The year before, they did seven. Mm -hmm. And it just depends on the length of the alley. And it, this, we talked to Alderman Bob Bauman for the story, mm -hmm. and he basically said, when it comes to surface infrastructure, like roads, sidewalks, traffic calming patterns, alleys. Alleys are on the low end because of the number of people who use them. They're not public thoroughfares. Right. It's really just the people who have the abutting properties who are impacted. So that's why there's not 
um, a major call for alley replacement. He said they're just not hearing from enough people to warrant a big alley replacement. Do, do people? Project. So do I don't know. Maybe maybe you don't know this answer, but like, do you think that neighbors aren't? maybe going to their older person about it because they just think like, oh, where is this going to go? Alleys because, are supposed to suck. Well, and they I have mean, to, you know, yeah. yeah, and they have to pony up money though too, right? I mean, right. it's not so just the city. So that's the other half of this. 50% of the costs for alley replacement are assessed to abutting homeowners, which can be 2000 to $5,000. Now they can spread that out. Yes. Okay. So they can spread that out over 10 years mm -hmm. to pay it back. But there are some people who have yeah. come to the Common Council saying, I agree with you. My alley is bad. It needs to be replaced, but I can't afford it. Yeah. So there's this differing perspective sometimes among neighbors about whether it's necessary or not. Mm -hmm. When I spoke with Shannon and her neighbors who were all located on the middle of their their alley where it's the worst, they seem to be on board with it. But ultimately, everyone on her alley will get the opportunity to weigh in on whether it's something they want to pay for. Not everybody has to Does agree. Every, oh, that's my uh, yeah. question. Yeah. What's the threshold? Yeah. No, I think it's kind of up to the aldermen to view and, and see how much support there seems to be if there is enough. Well, and they do the patchwork on the holes, question mark? They or? do, but Shannon says that that's a temporary I, right, fix right, right. because it's a over the winter yeah. there's expanding and oh, contracting course. and if you go in our alley there's just a lot of chunks of concrete and mm -hmm. asphalt everywhere and the the Which holes is just as bad sometimes big. is like you know you see those chunks of, mm -hmm. of concrete or pavement and you're like you're trying to avoid those too because those aren't great to run over either well she said i mean they're having damage done to their cars you know mm -hmm. their tires uh their rims and that's frustrating as mm -hmm. well because there's a cost there not only shannon's fractured ankle but everybody's having issue with their cars you have to go really slow mm -hmm. down this alley or else you're just gonna get bounced all around i just always love how you take on a different issue every time and then suddenly you become you, you learn things that you never would have thought you'd learn about mm -hmm. and in this case just why do we have so many alleys in the first place i, I mean that was really an interesting question that you yeah. looked into yeah i did enjoy i like looking into the history of things mm -hmm. so that was fun I spoke with the Milwaukee Public Library, which is a great resource for me on a number of stories. Mm -hmm. um, and they provided me with some historic pictures, which was fun. But they basically said that it used to be that alleys were intended for like the less desirable functions of life to take place mm -hmm. in. So if you had deliveries, if you had horses and stables, mm -hmm. they were in the back in the alley. If you had coal delivery, ash pickup, garbage pickup, that was all seen as undesirable. So it was in the back. So keep it out of sight, out of mind. Yes, kind of thing, exactly. Right? Yeah. And they said that really changed after World War II. It's just people became more fond of residential driveways, mm -hmm. right? Or parking lots for larger buildings. So the alleys kind of went away in terms of how many were being designed and they were replaced, but we still have them and we still need to maintain a number of them. And Milwaukee obviously has the most. So Shannon's alley cannot be the only one in the city that's looking like a mess, right? No. So every year, DPW, based on complaints they received, uh, provides a list to aldermen of alleys they've identified as possible candidates. And the, the aldermen will check them out themselves. They take field trips, right? Yeah, yeah. talk to neighbors right. and then try to figure out which is the most in need. Because remember, this only comes out to like one alley every other year yeah. per district. So they really have to prioritize. A couple of the aldermen gave me their lists and we were able to check out the alleys that they had provided us. And they weren't great, right? They could probably mm -hmm. be replaced, but they weren't quite as bad as Shannon's. Hers was the worst we had seen. But there are others in uh, Milwaukee that you could argue should be replaced. But then again, it's that cost benefit analysis that everybody's doing. But I wonder if if enough of her neighbors say, no, we just don't want this assessment. We can't afford this. Then does that sort of get 
Do they go to the bottom of the list, you know, and, and then they wait however many more years? Well, her alderman, Scott Spiker, told me that he was referring DPW make hers their top priority next year mm -hmm. and start that engineering phase where they can start estimating what it's going to cost and then come to neighbors uh, because they will get to say sometimes aldermen will send out a postcard survey. Sometimes they'll just tell people, hey, there's a public hearing mm -hmm. coming up, submit a comment or come and tell us what you think about it. Is there any sort of long term like, you know, is, is do we really need all these? You know, I know that there was a purpose at one time, the mm -hmm. out of sight sort of thing. We've changed the way homes are built now and neighborhoods are constructed and the, the focus is on the street and the driveways. But we've still got all these alleys. Are these yeah. going to be here forever? Is there a view of something that could be done differently? Yeah. I know they have eliminated some of the alleys, but not close to, you know, yeah. a significant portion of them. I almost think that would them. be really difficult just because a lot of those homes, their garages are in the back. So you need sure, a way right. to access yeah. them. It would just so. be so much work to try to reconstruct those neighborhoods. Right. But, you know, we had some historic photos and we went back to try to find some of the same alleys yeah. to match them up. And some of them are gone, right? They've yeah. been replaced by different kinds of developments. So I think as, as they redesign things, alleys are not a priority anymore, but it would probably be impractical to think we'd just get rid of our alleys. But there are some, I believe, solutions that are talked about with maybe some of the ones that are in the worst shape. I don't know. Oh, what, the what green are some, alleys? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like a net zero benefit for this issue. But there are certain alleys that are being being uh, turned into green alleys, meaning there's a permeable pavement, pavement in the middle, mm -hmm. and there's a different drainage system for diverting storm sewer water so we don't have the overflow mm -hmm. issues we've had. It kind of slopes downward into the center of the road, but that doesn't do a ton for the issues on the concrete on the outside, and not every alley is going to be a practical choice for that. Mm -hmm. So that's something else the city is doing. And we are hearing about green alleys popping up more often. And that's nice for the people who live on those alleyways because it's less expensive for them because MMSD provides grants, which lowers the cost for that type of project. But it doesn't necessarily help everyone who's got a, an alley that could be replaced. This is just completely speculating off the top of my head, but just wondering, I wonder for police, how many times they're involved in pursuing someone oh where the alley becomes right. the place. Like there are mm. a lot of pathways to get yeah. around that maybe in a, a neighborhood that just had fenced backyards or something mm -hmm. that wouldn't be quite as simple. I don't know if that's an issue or a problem yeah. or not. I'm not a police officer, but it just strikes me that a lot of things happen in the alley. You yeah. talk about the undesirable things like garbage and other things, but sure. a lot of other undesirable things sometimes mm -hmm. happen in alleys too, because they're kind of out of sight from public view other than in, in those small areas. Mm -hmm. Right. And when we were speaking with Shannon and her neighbors, their alderman had come by and said, hey, do you like the new street that they have? They had a new street that was reconstructed yeah. nearby. And they were like, yes, but also our yeah, alley. And, yeah. Like we, we also don't like this. And Shannon was saying, you know, she has a teenage son who likes to play basketball with his friends yeah. in the backyard. And sometimes the ball goes into the alley and she's really afraid that her son or one of his friends is going to chase it out there, mm -hmm. break a bone like she did. And, right. and then it's just a, a safety hazard as well. So we talked a little bit about, you know, the older people going into their districts and, and you know, taking surveys among the, the, the residents. Um, but then what if, like, maybe my older person didn't do that, but we have a really crummy alley. What's the process for someone to at least get the ball rolling. So your options would be to one, write to your alderman who should contact DPW. You can also contact DPW yourself. There's contact information that can be found online and they keep track 
of those complaints and it goes into compiling their lists. There are other factors that go into that too, you know, other projects that might be going on at the same time, for example, um, or just surveys they've done, things they've noticed about the, the state of the alleys. And then it should go to engineering, get the cost estimates, provide neighbors an idea of what it will cost them individually to repair the alley and then it goes for a vote to the common council and you will have your opportunity to weigh in before then but we do know that you know shannon's alley it sounds like it should hopefully be one discussed next mm -hmm. year and she would really like it to be the one they choose because she said someone's going to get hurt out here i already got hurt out here mm -hmm. and we're all just sick of living this way um the day after we visited her they came out the dpw crews and they filled the potholes mm -hmm. you know with hot asphalt and that was nice but it's something she's seen before and she knows well, it's you wonder just how, a yeah, how long right. will that last when we're about to go through a freeze thaw freeze thaw that's the yeah, very kind of thing that's going right. to cause these problems again i i, I just am so fascinated by these stories we've got another one that we're going to talk about in just a moment that i, I think it's we're in the middle of winter right now but when when do pitchers and catchers report it can't be that long right, right. another yeah. month and a half yeah um we'll be talking about tailgating season not long after that and this is really going to be something that applies to people who love to tailgate but we're going to talk about that when we come back they are used by ice fishermen outdoorsmen and tailgaters retailers sell millions of them a year but toss them in the trash or recycling bin and you risk causing a fire maybe even a small explosion jenna you found out about a problem with propane cylinder disposal and not the big tanks, like the ones mm -hmm. you can take back, uh, you know, they use with your, uh, the 20 your, your pound grill. Ones. Yeah, that you can right. exchange or whatever. You're talking about these smaller tanks. What did you find out here? Right. These are the smaller propane compressed gas cylinders that kind of um, screw into your portable grill yeah. or your portable yeah. heater or maybe yep. your blowtorch if you're doing like a, a DIY project mm -hmm. around the house. So these are like half pound to two pounds in size. And they're not designed, most of them are not designed to be refilled. So the issue we ran into is there's just not a lot of options when it comes to safely disposing of these in Southeast Wisconsin. It takes a lot of work and we were willing to put in that work to try to find a place that would take them. But uh, our recycling managers, MMSD uh, spokesperson will tell you these should not go into the trash or recycling because of the potential for an explosion. If there is compression that takes place, whether it's at the landfill or at one of our facilities or on a truck, that can be damaging to the people who work there. Mm -hmm. It can damage our facilities and our equipment, and it can be expensive and harmful. But what if I've got it in my grill and, and there's no more propane and I can't, I can't start my grill? Can't I just chuck it if it's empty? I know, but they're saying there could be some residual yeah. propane in there right. that you don't know about. Mm -hmm. And under pressure, right. that can be a real yeah. problem. And a lot of people will think, Think, well, I'll just call my hardware store, right? Mm -hmm. So we tried that. We called hardware stores and most of them told me, no, we don't take them. Two told me that they would. But when I called back, one of them said we were wrong. Actually, <laughs> we don't take it. And the mm -hmm. other one said, um, we'll take them, but we're just going to throw them away. So they so basically going to do the same wrong thing. Basically, <laughs> that's what they said. And then we tried salvage yards because that's where the propane association and other places will tell you to try. Um, but we had to call quite a few and some said, well, they have to be punctured or they have to be cut and you have to know they're empty before you bring oh, yeah. them to us. That sounds dangerous. But the people who we spoke with for the story say, I don't want to take that risk. I don't mm -hmm. want to puncture it myself when you're saying this shouldn't go in the recycling because it could explode. Uh, I don't want to take that risk. We did eventually find one salvage yard that would take them, but it actually didn't take 
all of the tanks we brought to them, we had to take one back because they said it sounded like there was still something in it. I thought it was really interesting watching this because you did kind of guide us through that process of just trying to figure out the right. answer. And you think this is a consumer product. A lot of people use this product. Mm -hmm. It was designed for the purpose I'm using it for. There must be a way to dispose of this. And yet you just kept finding all these places along the way. It was like, no, you can't do it that way either. Well, um, thanks for pointing that out because I was trying to show the frustration these consumers face right. when they made call after call. And we mentioned also the hazardous household waste drop-off site. Mm -hmm. That seems like, like a okay, natural place. At least place. I could go right. there. Right. right. Yeah. No, they turn away people every <laughs> no. day with these cylinders. They're not contracted yeah. to accept them. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just not an option for them either. And they accept all sorts of things at that waste site, but they don't take these tanks. And so they say, try calling the manufacturer because the manufacturers are making a lot of money off of selling millions, tens of millions of these tanks every year. And the manufacturer who is most prominent in this industry is Worthington. They didn't respond to us when we reached out to them for this story. So um, it's just a circle. And we encountered exactly what these people experienced. It's just one finger pointing to someone else. And the officials in Milwaukee County who are in charge of sanitation say, we know this is a problem. We would like a solution for this problem you know, put the pressure on the manufacturers, ask lawmakers if there's something they can do. Well, and the people you talked with in the story, just the consumers, I mean, they didn't know what to do with them, obviously, and they've tried all the avenues, um, but they just had like bins of yeah, these little like tanks. Like, so what are they? I mean, they just tanks. keep and them in their garage, tell, right? They've been like, sitting in the garage because yeah. the cardboard is like corroding. Mm -hmm. When I was carrying this box around, it was like crumbling in my hands. Yeah. Um, but if you are a tailgater, for example, and you use one of these per tailgate, mm -hmm. it starts to add up to a collection yeah. over time. So we spoke with the Fru family in Wauwatosa. That was their experience. They like the brewers. They go to a lot of brewers games and they have a collection of these tanks adding up. They made a lot of calls to places, couldn't figure out where to get rid of them. And we also spoke with Michael Wylebski in Milwaukee. He got a crate of these things when he helped his dad move out of his home into a, a nursing home. Mm -hmm. So his dad was a handyman, used a lot of these things for welding. And so he had the same experience saying, I called the DNR, I called MMSD, I called salvage yards, and no one said they would take them as they are, as they are intact right now. It makes me wonder, I mean, when these products are approved for sale, that there, there must be some regulatory structure in mind of what's going to happen on the other end. And then here you are, Contact 6, calling all these places, and no one points you to the, the for mm -hmm. sure answer. Everyone sort of has, I, I, I'm really fascinated by the, the one place that said, yeah, we'll take it off your hands, but we're just going to throw it away right. too. Right. Well, you What's think about paint and batteries, there's options yeah. for sure, things like yeah. that, but not for these tanks. And, and, and so it makes me wonder what is supposed to happen and, and you know, what happens with the bigger tanks after we recycle them? I assume they refill those. So the bigger tanks are designed to be refilled. Mm -hmm. So you can either take them to like a hardware store yeah. and they'll either replace it or refill it for you. So that's a structure that's in place. At some point, those have to be in a condition they can't be refilled too, though, right? I, I, you know, I don't know the answer to how long the life of those tanks is, but it's yeah. certainly longer than these cylinders, which are designed for one use. And after our story aired, I heard from a couple people who said, you know, you can refill these. And that's something I intentionally did not mention in my story, because when I spoke with the officials, they said, we cannot recommend people refill these. They're not designed to be refilled. Yeah. The tanks are not as strong. And there are a lot of videos out there on YouTube. There might be products they yeah. say you can buy, but they're saying we can't endorse those because people have gotten hurt. Well, and how do you know when they're full? Like that's, it's not like that's a, part of the problem not, it's too. It's not like water liquid where you can see it go, oh, I know I got to turn the water off. The and there's all gas. sorts of tips out there right. about like putting them in the freezer, trying to squeeze more space Absolutely in there. They not. said we can't recommend <laughs> yeah, any sorry. of that. Um, they're not yeah. designed 
to right. be refilled. So we, we don't recommend doing that. Um, but we did speak with Israel Shoket in mm -hmm. our story, who is the co-owner of Flame King. Yeah. And he makes only refillable cylinders. And they're designed to be refilled. Right. Designed okay. of all sizes. He said they used to partner with some of these retailers that sell the disposable ones. And it was something that always kind of weighed on them. And they don't partner with them anymore, but you can still find their products at like Menards and Costco. So they're a major retailer, but they said, um, you know, uh, we, this is supposed to be a cleaner burning fuel, right? In general, it's a cleaner industry. And that's one of the benefits of propane, right? It's, it's cleaner burning, but there's this obligation to see what you're going to do with it at the end. Mm -hmm. You have to offer a solution for people. So they wanted to have a solution for the, the end saying it just seemed like something that we would be obliged to do as the manufacturers of these products. The small canisters that are the single use canisters, mm -hmm. they are, the, so they're, they're made of a metal that can be recycled. The question is simply the residual mm -hmm. risk because of the residual mm -hmm. propane that's inside them. Exactly, yeah. And so there are states that are tackling this. Last year, Connecticut became the first state to come up with a requirement that manufacturers do a couple of things. So they have to come up with some sort of stewardship program. So the first would be you have to provide free and accessible recycling programs. These are led by the industry. You have to provide sites where people can dispose of their tanks. You have to make it known that these sites are going to be available. And you need to educate people about the proper end of life disposal and the risks of putting these in the trash or the recycling. Uh, and so that is going into effect in Connecticut. There are a lot of other states that are either considering it or have it in some sort of stage of development right now. So Wisconsin's not one of those, I should say. So, other so you states, don't know if there's any lawmaker right. here championing this or putting together legislation? I did might. not find anything about that. I know in states that have some major national parks, this has been an issue oh. because of people who bring them camping and mm -hmm. have left them behind. Yeah. And then it's on the campsite to dispose of them and they have to pay a fee per tank and that got expensive. So that's another area where it's it's been an issue. Well, I was thinking about the, even in Connecticut where they're now gonna have people take them to one place, you're gonna have a stockpile of these things. What do they do? Do you know what the process is for making it then safe to recycle? You talked about them being punctured but is there a safety issue with that process? Well, Rick Myers, who is the head of Milwaukee's Sanitation Services, he said, we want to see ways to remove the remaining Mm -hmm. propane the remaining fuel from these compressed cylinders and also find a way to recycle the steel so that sounds like what the priority is once they get these tanks um, but he's saying you know we know it's an issue here but is it incumbent upon us to come up with that we think it should be the manufacturers so that's why he was encouraging people to take it to the manufacturers and you know maybe lawmakers will consider something but they aren't right now in wisconsin so as you stand right now after doing all of this research if someone's heading off to the ice shanty uh this winter or if they are going to a tailgate this spring, what, should they just avoid using these re disposable tanks or what, what do you do? Well, I mean, you can do what we do, which is call around and try to find mm -hmm. a scrapyard that will take them. Um, you know, there is the option of these refillable cylinders, which do cost a little bit more upfront, but over time, the more you refill it, there would be a savings yeah. there. But, you know, people are in their habits. They have their products, but it is entirely possible for an ice fisherman to go through dozens of these, you know, right. keeping sure. themselves heated in their shanties over the winter. Well, and you said you found the one scrapyard and you took a, bo mm -hmm. a box of the, the crate of those and mm -hmm. you said they took some of them did they give a reason why they didn't take they other ones? they did a shake test and they said this okay. one still has 
some okay. liquid in it. So okay. they sent it back. So they took six of the seven okay. that we brought oh. to them and the family was happy with that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do with the remaining. Yeah. Maybe they'll try to burn it off or something. Maybe it's too old to do that. Was that not a free? Sure. Was that free? It was like, free. You, they okay. didn't, nope, they didn't ask for any charge. Okay. I know other pl people I spoke with for the story mm -hmm. said they had encountered places that said there would be a charge. Mm -hmm. I didn't uh, come across that. Did I anyone just... talk about the propane adapters for the 20 pound tanks? Because that's what I use now. I, I've completely went away from those small Oh. Tanks. I use a big one. It's a, a hose that goes oh. to my heater or to the grill or anything. So we didn't really talk about the 20 pound tanks because those aren't really an issue with recycling so much as the smaller ones. I meant more of a way like if you want to get, get, get away, away from get away the from ones. the small tanks altogether and just use the big tank for all your. Sure, that's certainly appliances. an option. I don't know if everyone's going to think of going that route um it's certainly not something and that it's not as, was like, brought to yeah. our attention well and two if you're gonna go tailgating i know those propane tanks can get heavy, heavy. The, the, like the yeah and the portability is obviously yeah. the attraction yeah, these are pretty cases. light for something True. like a you know like on your patio you have those heaters that might be a different story if and you're more going out functional. on the ice or you're going right. camping mm -hmm. yeah what, what i really think about is just it, for most of us it's the path of least resistance so mm -hmm. right. if, if right. i if i had to make all the calls that you had to make and do all those things a lot of people are probably just going Forget it. I'm chucking it. No one's going to care. That's what enough. the people I interviewed were worried about, saying it was just so much work to mm -hmm. figure out what to do with these. I worry that people are just going to say, I give up and mm -hmm. put them in the trash and, and hope for the best. But it's it's not an inconvenience until it starts to pile up in the corner of your garage right. and, and the pile gets bigger and mm -hmm. bigger. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably a good time for us to go off the record. So we're going to do that when we come right back. And it is time for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual and have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared. But of course, Sarah Smith has prepared for I it because prepared. she came up with the question. So I what sure do you have? did. Okay. Um, I, this might incite a lot of conversation. I don't know. Maybe nothing. Um, what a way to set that up, huh? <laughs> um, what is something we're all married? Let me start with that. What is something you should ask your future spouse before you get married? Are we going to get super deep? Because this could be serious. Well, no, 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 no. Serious. I'm thinking like surface level. Like my first thought was, how do you load a dishwasher? <laughs> like okay. we're, we're not going like, what is your insight on life? Or how financially prepared are you for retirement? <laughs> That's uh, Those are kind of like the given ones, right? But like, what's do something I, I a little more kids? Do I need to convert to Judaism? It's not like that, right? What's something okay. a little more trivial? Okay. <clears throat> we don't need to go deep. But well, like, was, was dishwasher well, yours? No, but you, well, no. I'm also thinking like, how do you load the toilet paper on the roll? Do you go up and over or down and clearly it's up and over, but up and, well, again, you pull if you have, from the top, you don't pull from the bottom, except if you have pets, pets that go like I, this and then the roll just keeps coming. Yeah. That's, that's the only it's cats a, are dumb. cat defense, but I don't have cats. So <laughs> okay. you know, over the top, I agree. Okay. okay so I know a lot of people like end up living with someone before sure. they end up getting married yeah. these days. So this would probably be figured out, but um, snoring, I think mm. that's a big one. Like I could not, sleep next to someone who snores. If my husband, you know, if he's really tired or he's sick or something and he snores, yeah. he gets like, a, I aggressively roll over because I know he's a light sleeper too. And he'll, he'll wake up and like reposition himself. You aggressively, <laughs> you don't do the like, I shove? don't need to do a show. Okay. He, uh, we're both light sleepers, but I can't, and he usually doesn't snore. It's like an illness thing, but I can't, I can't, I could not sleep next to a snore. I probably would have to leave. So we're not going to sleep in the same bed, Jenna. I'm, oh, no. I'm like a snore. I'm too light I of a sleeper. I think it's like a deep breather is what I call myself. I've never heard it. Um, my husband though, he like, <laughs> he doesn't like push or like wake me up in that. He like shakes the bed almost like it's a boat. <laughs> 
He just is that a water bed? He shifts his no. He just shifts his weight around so the mattress it's on like pedestal things, mm-hmm. and then that wakes me up just enough to like enough. roll me over. I have a friend who will literally like pretend, you know. Oh, uh, oh, I was sleeping. Oh, oh so sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean. To, I didn't mean to kick you oh, there. No, my, elbow. my wife will let me know if there's yeah. any snoring going on. There, I feel a little hand in the back, like hey, hey, you know. I, I, there's she's not just doing the aggressive rollover. She's that's uh, passive aggressive, right? The aggressive yeah, rollover. She's she just lets me know. No, that's it. You, you know, wake wake up and snap out of it. But um, sounds like I'm a man who but snores. I don't know how badly I snore because I'm the one who's asleep. But I you're I, not I wrong. It's not all that bad. <laughs> um. I guess others could tell me if that's the case, but um, but my wife, we were going to invite her on the podcast to talk about what my snoring is like. I don't know. Um, <laughs> what would be the thing that I would uh, want to know? In a, yeah, in a part, or just like, like what the, do you need to find out before something? I mean, I think more... I, I think I need to know. Like, can you know? Are are you going to have a problem with me watching? You know, the the, the Packers, or for right. me, it's the St. Louis Cardinals, Cardinals baseball. You're going to have a problem with me watching sports, right? I'm not I'm not someone who watches sports constantly. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's not not like Sunday football is on from morning right. until night. Yeah. It used to be that way years ago. So I'm not like that, but. I got to know you're okay with, and my wife is great. If there's a game that I want to watch, she'll say, hey, I'm going to sit here and read. You watch your game. Yeah. That's perfect. Right. I think that that's would be, that, that's right an there. important one. Yeah. What about music? Like if your significant other listens to a music style that you dislike. Ooh. It hasn't been an issue for me. It hasn't okay. been an yeah. issue. I mean. I mean, me neither. But right now, we're I not mean, in charge of the music that's playing. You're not wrong. Yeah. No, that's Anyway, the that's small fair. people yeah. are. But, you know, you can get used to anything. I think you could get used to music. Okay. Unless it was just so horrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it's like complete, like rocking out but that's, all the yeah. time. That Isn't that the great that thing about earbuds, though? That's because true. I go on trips with the kids in the car and they've each got their own thing. And I yeah. put my earbuds in and I've got music or a podcast and mm-hmm. I'm happy. You know, I just drive on the road and listen to open record the whole way. You know uh, what? No. You can too. But but <laughs> I do I do like the idea that I can isolate that way. Yeah, and, and with noise, noise canceling is fantastic. And that's when I get the, the push in the back too, is the, the, the kid in the back of the car. Are we stopping to get, you know, oh, right. snacks? Do I we, thought because you were yeah. singing too loud, but no, you do have a nice no. voice. So uh, I don't know if it sounds that way in a car. Well, that when you can't hear the accompaniment. <laughs> the acoustic. Yeah, when it's just acapella, Brian, <laughs> in, the, in the driver's seat, that's probably not. I don't know. Hey, probably hey, not Kale, very do good. you have one? In these things, it's this is nowhere near being like a deal breaker thing, but um, I sometimes put stuff on the counter and, and jazz is a little more OCD, my wife, and it will just be gone. And I'll look around and I'll say, hey, where's this thing? And she's like, oh, I put it in the closet or something there. And apparparently I just I leave stuff. Are sometimes. they items I have like the same problem? Like kitchen things or are they like papers and things? No, it's like my keys or my work badge <laughs> just, or right in the cabinet. Okay, my but you wallet. are but you are married to her and, and yes. you are happy in that. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, so like I said, like there's no mean, it's not a deal breaker. This one, okay, right, okay. This or or stuff in the refrigerator, <laughs> right? So like, I, <laughs> I do the refrigerator well, thing. Mm-hmm. I leave it on the counter. Although I would argue my husband's a little too quick to be like, are we gonna put this milk do you need this milk still? I'm we're very I swear to God, I'm a man. I do the same thing where I mm-hmm. put stuff away, and Eric's like, "What? Where did that? Where did the leftovers go? That were on the counter?" Right. I was like, "Oh, I put them away." Oh, I wasn't done yet. Okay, well, I didn't know. I'm guilty of like a half drunk can of Lacroix. Like oh, I'll find it and I'll no. just <laughs> empty it. Yeah. At the oh, end oh, of it. you're and the dumper. You're not the. You're not the. Okay. You know, okay. if I'm cleaning, you're not the offender. Like, sometimes when I want control, I'll clean like one room and I'll really attack it. Yes. And the rest of the house, whatever, but one space. And if there's a can of something, it's probably getting. All right. So I go in the refrigerator and I sometimes feel like it's just been reorganized. 
So I'm looking for something, and it's like it's always right the here. Sauce is always and right I'm like, there. where's this thing? And she's like, it's right there. And like I don't see it, but of course I, you I, don't see it. I only see like with the your man eyes. first row of things. I cannot, I cannot see what's behind the depth, first row. Depth perception. If is a you have, long. if you have a lot of, you know, if there are dishes that are still left out and you want them done but they haven't been done. Do you do the also passive aggressive? Do you do the loud dish doing? Like you're slamming I'm letting dishes you know to that let I'm you know that I'm doing the dishes? Yeah, yeah I've done that. Yeah, yeah. Or like someone's <laughs> sleeping really late and you're like, I oh. think I'm going to put away the dishes. Oh, <laughs> oh that's a very flat. mom move. It is, isn't it? I'm like, you know, I've been up for a few hours. Yeah, right. quack, 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 quack. I've been told I slam uh, cupboard doors, but mm. I'm not doing it on purpose. But apparently <laughs> really I post them loudly. <laughs> Well, I have uh, an off-the-record question of my own because it's we have one more twist. commercial break. To do. We didn't yes. plan uh, well enough to not have one commercial break left. <laughs> so we're gonna do, when we come back, I have my own secondary off-the-record question <laughs> right after this. Okay, we are back, and this is really the first time we've ever done this, but we're going to have a secondary off-the-record question. This is the part of the podcast where, where Brian we... <laughs> uh, has one. But but this is, and this actually comes up because uh, last night, uh, my wife and I watched a movie that I hadn't seen in many years, but it's one of my favorite movies, Airplane, Zucker Brothers, Shorewood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm I'm the kind of person who quotes movies, all, you know, the old yeah. movies. So how are you on, like, do, do you love movie quoters? Do you quote movies? <laughs> Or do you, does it drive you crazy when someone around you quotes old if movies? If it's a movie that we've all seen a bunch of times yeah. and we're all quoting, I feel like I'm cool with that. But what 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 qualifies that or what because like I could quote Tommy Boy. I, I don't know that everyone has seen Half Tommy a Boy. Million <laughs> yeah, right. I can see I'll do that all day long. That's not what I quote from Tommy Boy. But I you What know, do you quote from Tommy um, Boy? Um now that I'm on the spot, I can't think of I don't know. <laughs> All right. Six packs of b- soda. Not so yes, much here Tommy or, or anything here. You Is that the one where it's the... like, I got dibs on top bunk? <laughs> no, that's Step Brothers. <laughs> no, I thought it was in Tommy Boy 2. Didn't they like share a room? Tommy Boy 2. I don't no, know. no, no, no. Not I mean, Tommy. as well. <laughs> I've watched Tommy Boy 2. I would get a heartbeat. Uh, no, but no. but the, Tommy Boy, that's the, the there's the that uh, guy yeah, in a little. Yeah, yeah, right. okay. yeah, 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 absolutely. But I, I mean, I will say that I, I do sometimes quote movies, but I feel like I try to keep them uh movies that people have seen i don't i don't go too deep in the do, do you quote movies does does your husband not a ton i don't think we watch a lot of the same things like mm-hmm. i i'll watch like great british bake-off and he's just not watching mm-hmm. that like there's one thing we sometimes quote and i don't even know the name of the movie but it was like jennifer garner was sending a new kid off to school and she was like have a great day and the dad said that's too much pressure and she goes have the day you have <laughs> And so that sometimes we're like, have a good day or just have the day you have. Yeah. You know, well, that's like the that. only thing that we've, I think we've ever really So quoted. he's not like quoting Fletch and other old movies all the time and no. it drives you crazy. Yeah. I don't think I, either I drive really my wife crazy. Movies. That's why I brought this up. But do you watch those I, movies over and over? I don't have the retention right. to recall some of these lines. Like when I was from younger, I watched some of them. Kindergarten Cop and I stuff. I probably watched Fletch 20 or 30 times wow. realistically. I mean, was really it did. that good? Yeah, Cinematic. Absolutely. Wow. The original National Lampoon's Vacation. Okay, yes, 100%. That's, that's 100%. Those are movies that I've watched over and over. So I will, Office Space, one of my Yo, favorites of Office all time. Space, yes, I will quote that all the time. And the problem is, I'll want to rewatch them sometimes. And my wife will say, I will watch. <laughs> and as long if as you, you don't. shut your mouth. <laughs> Because I don't want to hear the movie. Because you become a, star, a starring actor because in it. As soon as I see the scene, I'm like, "Oh, this is the one." And then I quote the scene before it happens. She's like, "Why and are she's we watching?" Turning the volume up yeah. to like, drown you out. You might not like watching a movie with me because I am a subtitle person. What? Oh, no. 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 Okay. Hey, subtitles on. I'm Team no, Jenna. We no, no. I was a kid because my dad always had the subtitles up, so we didn't miss anything. And so, but then I, you're missing the, the movie. No, 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 no. I, 
You're missing scenes. No, it's supplements. No, No. it does. I am totally capable of watching both. How many times have you? you, We can speak to this because we're 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 close captioning people. How many times have you? No. For the first time, understood what someone said only because of the closed captioning because it was whispered or it was background or something. You're like, oh, that's what. If I watch a movie without it, I go, what? (laughs) What did he say? I don't know what he said. Wow. I got to tell you, wow. we, were, we were watching Airplane, and, and and for the first time, we had closed captioning on. For the first time, I got all the words of the jive talking scene. Oh, it's the so first time ever. It was, it, was, it was eye-opening. It was fantastic. Wow. It gets in the way of my experience. Yes. It's uh, like distracting to me. Now, where I do turn off like, closed be a captioning better listener. is <laughs> then when we watch sports, because it's in the middle of the field. And you can't oh. have that. So I turn it off during sports. But okay. mm-hmm. we started this because my wife was watching uh, Peaky Blinders. If okay. you've ever watched it, they have a very thick Irish accent. That is a really, really hard, hard, show hard to that. understand. Okay. And that's when we started it. And then okay. we we're like, you know what? This isn't so bad. And also mm-hmm. we're old people. Okay. So we're officially closed captioners. I think I've worn my husband down. He doesn't try anymore. He used to be like, really? But <laughs> now he's accepted mountain. it now. Yeah. And I think my kids will probably just, I think they don't even see it. We're having Jenna's family over for movie night. You guys can't, you don't have to come, but we're having, we're having closed captioning (laughs) on ours. Okay. We have to take one more break and we'll wrap things up when we come right back. We are back and in the break, we were still talking about this because I just feel like that. I mean, it's, this is, we just found a divisive topic. Do you watch with closed captions on or not? I, I'm, I'm a big fan. And uh, so don't come to my house for movie night if you don't (laughs) like captions on because they're going to be on. Um, so I think that that pretty much wraps things up this week. Uh, Jenna, thank you for being on talking about your stories. And again, another great successful year for Contact Six. Oh, thank you. I'm always happy to be here. Of course, Sarah, always, as yeah. always, thank you for being here. If you have a topic you would like us to discuss on open record or an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible, including our executive producer, Sarah Smith, our editor, Dave Machuda, and our chief photographer, Manning the Video Switcher, Kale Zimney. I realize I'm a little early here, so we got a little more. This is like uh, when you're on one of those, like a radio you're, show. You're like, down. We got, we got a, a, a minute to kill. Yeah, we got a, 60 seconds. <laughs> the producer in me is chit-chat. like, oh gosh, one minute to fill. <laughs> I, w- I wonder if anybody's got closed captioning on for this one. If this were a watching... show, we'd go, this is weather. Tom, what's, what's the weather? <laughs> Stretch. One more quick weather. Stretch. Yep. I don't know. All I know is uh, now that I do watch closed captions, one thing that I noticed that that comes up a lot is uh, I now know what pensive music is. Oh, they, I do like, like, it like they label the music. It's not just the words people are saying. It's the descriptions of things mm, in the background, like pensive music, music mm-hmm. um, angry dog barks, things like that. <laughs> dog yeah, barks. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of dog barks. You get a, a lot of those. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I enjoy it. it. It entertains me. Anyway, I think that's all we've got for this week. So sure. we'll be back again next week. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.